A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Hello, folks, and welcome to MLR Kickoff. Another big show coming your way. Week two is in the books. Week three, just around the corner, and MLR has kicked off itself in absolutely spectacular fashion so far this year. Dan Power with you. Alongside, as always, the smartest man this side of the Mississippi, or that side, depending on which side you're on, the Professor, Pete Steinberg. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm on this side of the Mississippi. I am home. Um, It's like two weeks in a row. May not be the same next week, but... um, Getting lazy. Um, Loved Friday and Thursday night games. That was awesome. What what a treat that was, I must say. And, and I know a lot of debate in the NFL, right? Player welfare, the turnaround from Sunday to Thursday. We're probably not going to see a regular, you know, fixture on a Thursday night fix. But I love the idea of Friday night footy. Like, love yeah, it. I grew too. up with it. I think the MLR should get, work on a way to get a Friday night game. It's going to be tough because it's going to have to be like, your Houston's, uh, New England's, like teams that have their facility and control their facility, maybe Atlanta now as well, um, to get that done because of shared spaces and all that sort of stuff. But I love Friday night footy. I think it's such a cool thing. Bit of takeaway, get on the couch, crack open a stubby and watch uh, watch some footy. Well, it just, you know, it, it just makes the weekend a little bit more manageable, right? Because you're not trying to track and follow all of these other games. And so, I, I mean, I liked it because, I mean, it must have been late for you, Dan, because I think it was 8 p.m. my time. 8 p.m. is great my time because the kids are in bed. Um, the problem is 8 p.m. is very close to my bedtime. So I wasn't able to watch all the games, but it was mm. nice to be able to, like, fall asleep to them. Keep you up while you take those 104 pills you have to take every night at your age now. I think <laughs> glucosamine, Metamucil, vitamin D, vitamin C. I'm, I'm not... Far behind you, unfortunately. I should probably. I, I, will tell you that, I, I will tell you that. Um, did did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. Yes, I watched uh, intently for the commercials and for the half. Um, big big nostalgia. I saw someone put up today. They're like, "Oh, it's nice they finally get an act up for the young folks, right? They get Snoop, Dre, Eminem, and it's like, hang on a second, <laughs> we're the old folks now. Yeah, they're we're catering to us now. It's like going to the Tom Petty's of the world. So yeah, uh, it was cool. What do you think of the game? Um, so I, I kind of caught the game on the edge. We we used the Super Bowl to go up to the mountains and went skiing with uh, with Penny and Nevada. It's a beautiful day. No traffic because no one goes up in the Super Bowl. But we're actually able to get back in, in time for the game. Um, I was really worried because I think I, I, I shared with you on one of these calls, right, that I missed the greatest game ever because my daughter, you know, I need to go up and read to my daughter. And here it was. Um, the Rams go up, right? The Bengals have the ball with like a minute and 25 seconds left. And, and Penelope's like, Daddy, Daddy, can you come read to me? And I'm like, it's going to happen again. I'm going to miss <laughs> the greatest ending ever. Because <laughs> I'm reading to my daughter, but I came down and, and the Rams were celebrating, so I was like, "All right, good, good." 
Didn't miss anything. Yeah, it's, it's funny on that last play, if you can just – Aaron Donald, obviously an absolute – I was talking to James Patterson and it's like, where would you play Aaron Donald in rugby? And I'm like, that's my inside centre, baby, all day. I got him at 12. No, no, no. I, if I think I'm playing 10, I'm beelining to, to opposite 12's outside shoulder. Well, that's like, how they – Aaron, back inside and just run over the top of 10. Hey, all look, day. that's how that's how rugby is used. Other crossovers like Paul Lasecki, right? Paul Lasicki, yeah. like, like big, big, he was a fullback in the NFL, gave him the ball inside. Set. Now he's a guy that grew up in New Zealand who can play. It, like he has yeah. a good foot, like good left foot, right? And and he can play. But that's kind of, there's definitely something about getting over the gain line. Um, and so if you want to learn about that, go back to an earlier MLR kickoff. We'll talk about attack and we'll talk about the importance of going forward. And if you know Aaron Donald, he was going to retire so see if he wants to run with an MLR team, LA Guiltinis, not just down the road. So I'm sure yeah. they could squeeze yeah, him I mean, under the salary cap. Like, you know, when, when, when you're at that point, you're like, yeah, what I really want to do is take all my pads off and run into people with this body that's been run into for like 20 years. I feel like that's pads preserved him. He's fresh and ready to go. Have you seen him with his shirt off? Dear God, no wonder he's so dominant. There's not an ounce of fat on that man and he can just – yeah, he's a machine. Big fan, big fan. Um, moving on, rugby from the weekend. Let's talk about something more relevant and more exciting. Uh, what was your match of the weekend? So my match of the weekend was the Thursday night game. It was Seattle, Utah. Seattle, I think, have now played probably the two best games, like the two best played games with two quality teams um, in week one against Toronto and in week two against Utah. I thought this was a really, really good matchup. As long as you ignore some of the like, you know, uncontested scrum pieces that happened in it. But I think that the uh, um, the matchup was was good. I think there were some amazing tries by both teams. But the thing that really is exciting for me, right? Because you know, as a former scrum half, fly half, what I really love is defense. Is the seawall is back and the seawall is dominant. And the seawall is going to be difficult to break down. Yeah, my favourite part was when no one could figure out the uh, the laws with the yellow card and the uncontested scrum. Now, as a player, you, you should know, but I feel like that one is like it, it's, page it, one hundred and forty two yeah. subsection yeah. Q under this one, and it was um, on the sideline. Someone came in and said, no, it's wrong. And then the ref kept changing his mind and then big recut walked over and goes, no, you're absolutely wrong. We can't go down to 13. There's my recut impersonation. <laughs> and I'm just dying watching. I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. I'm on recut, so I'm like, this is this is a travesty. You can't lose another player, but laws are laws. And they figured it out in the end, but it, it made for some entertaining television. Yeah, and, and, and you know, before anyone says, oh, look, this happened almost exactly the same with Wayne Barnes a few years ago. I think it was someone against France, I think, that went on, and it was almost exactly the same thing where the number four came off and they had to talk about it because it's such a rare law. Like, it's one of those things that you almost never... Like, once every three or four years you see, and, you know, the way... Like, the laws can change all the time. So, so basically, the rule is, right, if you have a yellow card, and then you have to go to... Un- like, so if you, if you have a yellow card, you go down to 14. But the rule is, if you have to go to uncontested scrums, you have to lose a player too, right? And so that puts them down to 13. The other really interesting thing, Dan, is... I, and I think they're supposed to match numbers in the scrum. 
right? So if it's an attacking scrum, and I don't think this was called correctly, but if it's an attacking scrum, so if it's Utah's scrum, then instead of sure, being able to, to just run in. six, they have yeah. to have eight in there. That means there's space. There's Mikey Teo out there, like with no one in front of him, he could score. So, you know, Utah, I think, can feel a little bit hard done by in what was a really good game. I don't know if the footage exists. I'm sure it's somewhere in the archives, but Andres Naiman, who was the coach of Glendale Raptors before MLR existed, called me up and said, hey, I've got a really young side. Uh, we're playing, I don't know who they're playing. He goes, can you can you come down and just help out? And I was like, yeah, I was thinking like run the water or something. And he ended up wanting me to play. And I'm like, <laughs> he put me at six. And I think there's there's there they had the big jumbo thing up there and there was a scrum penalty and it's on that side and it's got me at six with my little feet like a little thing spinning because I've got these cleats on that can't dig into the ground. It's all wet and I have just no clue what I'm doing on the side of the scrum. I'm just imagining if the eight on eight scrum with missing front rowers, like who would actually pack into the scrum. Well, also just remember it's uncontested, so it doesn't matter. It's really about oh, this, this was contested and I was not part of the contest. So so I thought I thought we were doing a pivot, Dan, from being less esoteric. And here we are talking about subset, subset, subset law. Hope hopefully that the people that don't know much about rugby can follow us. So let's let's talk about the seawall and why they're being so dominant and why they've ended up like being very difficult to score against because Utah still have a good attack. Um, and so, you know, let's, if, if, if we dive a little bit into the stats, um, Seattle had 16 dominant tackles. Now that's a lot of dominant tackles. So a dominant tackle is one when you hit the ball carrier, basically they go backwards. And the benefit of a dominant tackle is if you hit them and they go backwards, the defensive line can come forwards and doesn't mm-hmm. have a reset, right? So they can just come forward. So when you have 16 dominant tackles, and uh, Nakai Penny, who has really been phenomenal physically um, for both of the first two games, has four. Um, Lepetti has three, and Hatting has two. And there's a but like like that must that means that those dominant tackles are distributed across the team. When you have those dominant tackles, you don't give anyone space. Okay, and I think that it's a it's when you don't have anyone, you know, you don't give the attack space, they can't play. And you saw that with Utah and you saw that with Toronto. And they're doing, they're even more aggressive than Atlanta were last year, Dan, because that wing on the outside is coming in and cutting off the ball almost every time. Where Atlanta last year was like, hey, we're going to come up. We might come in. There's a bit more of a decision, but these guys are really committed. So so the fact the seawall is, is, is back and, and is you know, a physical presence, I think, is going to be good for Seattle. And it's been really key to their success in being 2-0. and mm. Yeah, won them two championships at defense. So yep. good to see them back. And that was actually a really good game. I think Utah can feel a little unlucky being 0-2 with the San Diego comeback falling short. But that one wasn't as close as the score line indicated. But again, tough game against Seattle. But- Doesn't get any easier for them as well. We'll talk about that later. Uh, that was our short rundown of banter in the game. But as as always with the professor and myself, nothing seems to stay on schedule or is ever short and simple. All right, let's let's transition a little bit here. Uh, very lucky today to sit down and talk to a guy who 
you know, for, for old rugby fans, it's been one of the great signings for Major League Rugby. For fans around the world, they'll know the name Andy Ellis. Scrum half, 28 caps for the All Blacks, so New Zealand's national team. Played for the Canterbury Crusaders, played for the Steelers in Japan, and now is in his second season with Rooney. Pete, I, I despise this guy when he played against Australia because he was just such a competitor, such an intelligent, crafty player. We got a chance to watch him and, and call some of his games last year, and he hasn't really dropped uh, dropped a, a beat at all in terms of his intelligence and his understanding of the game. His influence on that New York side has been outstanding, so I won't wait any longer. I welcome him into the show, Andy Ellis. All right, joining us now is Rugby New York's scrum half, Andy Ellis, back for his second season, a second bite of the Big Apple for Andy and Rugby New York. Mate, how's, how are you feeling? And you're probably getting sick of that question at the back end of the career now. Like, how are you feeling? How's the body? And you're like, hey, as long as I'm playing, just leave me be. Let me do my job. But how are you feeling coming into season two? How's the family? Everyone back in New York and happy? Yeah, they are, mate. Yeah. Um, no, I'm feeling great. You know, um, sort of haven't, um, haven't played any rugby since the, the end of the last season. So this sort of six months, months has been nice just to kind of get my body right. Um, Track train nicely over that over that off season period, and and now sort of coming back and into New York, it's it's really exciting. It was great. We were really fortunate. We got we got back to New Zealand for December, so sort of connected with all our family and friends, and um, spent Christmas and New Year with everyone. And then I think it just helped with that excitement to sort of get back into New York, and even the kids were excited about getting back to school and and living it, living it, living another uh, season in New York. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was jealous watching uh, the family. Christmas in New Zealand on, on Instagram and the shorts and the, the singlets and the good weather and the good food. And I'm, I'm freezing over in the Midwest. So it was definitely looked like it was a treat of a trip. And you just snuck in too, because I think they shut down again uh, early in the year. Mate, we, yeah, mate, we only just got in. Yeah, we, we did the seven day quarantine sort of end of November, um, spent that time there. And, you know, it was, it was a, a little bit hard getting the kids away from all their cousins and friends and, and family. But, um, Oh, like now that we're back here and, and we're sort of, you know, we're into, we're into the season as well, you know, we're all really excited. And um, like, you, like you sort of introed with, you know, I'm in my later years of my career. So um, I'm just trying to make the most of it and just I, I'm, I'm really enjoying every moment, you know. I, I, love, I love going to training. Um, I love competing. I love um, meeting new people and, and going out there and playing, you know, for New York. It's, it's I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place at the moment. So Tom Brady hangs up the boots at 44-ish. Is that the line in the sand for you as well, you reckon? You can get there, 45, <laughs> go one better than the GOAT? 44, 45, no, I don't, I don't know, mate. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still really enjoying it mentally, especially, you know, talking to a lot of my, my friends that sort of ended up retiring. They said, you know, you just get to a point where you, it, it does become difficult to, to go to training and, and get up for games and things like that, but... For me, at the moment, I'm I'm still I'm still in a really good place. So I, I I still love going to training, and I um yeah, like I say, I, I, love, I love competing, I love playing. Um, so I'll just reassess, you know, come the end of the season if I still feel like that, um, and I still love the challenge, and I'll, I'll keep going. If not, then um you know I'll, I'll hang the boots up. I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. So, well, let's talk a little bit about your journey because it's not it's not a unique journey for someone who reach the heights that you reached, you know, growing up in New Zealand, every kid grows up wanting to put on that black jersey. You did that 28 times. 
realistically, you could have stayed in New Zealand, transitioned into the business world, gone that route, but you decided let's take a path that has some twists, some turns, and, and some different scenery in it. You go to Japan, you go all over, you come to America, New York. What's the philosophy behind that? And, and your family's joined you as well, which I think is amazing and, and a wonderful experience for them. But what kind of mindset do you take into these decisions when the easy path is just to stay in New Zealand and capitalize on who you are down there? Yeah, mate. Um, I, I don't know. Part of it for me is, is the fact that New Zealand is down the, the bottom of the world a little bit and, and, and can be quite isolated. You know, Kiwis do like to, to, to travel and see the world. So, for me and my young family, that was definitely a big motivating factor is to take them out of the comfort zone in New Zealand and, um, you know, try Japan and Japan schools and and, and food and, and living, you know, and just experience a little bit of the world there. And, you know, we, we did five years there, five, six years there and um, came away um, really different people, you know. Like we'd really grown and we, we, we saw the world in a, in a different way. A different way and I was so, it was so awesome to have that for the family in, in particular and then um, you know my wife and I we sort of talked you know like pretty happy to just head home now and, and, and finish up it's been a great career but you know if there was a really unique challenge or a really cool place to live we'd, we'd look at it and you know like it is when you put it out into the universe these things seem to happen and uh, like literally two weeks after this, we sort of discussed that um, yeah the, the coach in New York's um, team at the time flipped me a message and kind of kind of lined it up and and mate, before we knew it we decided to dive in and and come to New York and have have another experience with the family and and that whole idea of being outside your comfort zone really does I think allow you to grow as a person and when you do that um, man the, the world's your oyster really so it's it's been great and we've we've loved this experience um, the opportunities the people we've met here have been really really cool as well so. I think it's just that's the way we did, we wanted to live our life is is give it, give it a real crack, you know. Yeah, the the fingers of fate are often long reaching and then very rarely miss. So, mate, let's talk a little bit about culture shock because obviously Japan, uh, the culture shock. Uh, if anyone hasn't been to Japan, you get off the plane and the culture shock just slaps you right across the face when you land there. It's such a unique place. But what was your biggest culture shock moment? being in New York or even some of the away games or some of the places you guys have visited in the US so far? Yeah, well, the, the thing with Japan was it was so clean and so convenient and, like, everybody uh, waits at the lights until the little man turns green and then they all cross. You just would not have it any other way and it's how their big sort of society kind of works, you know, very respectful and um, it, it's amazing. It's, it's also really not really great place to have a, a family. And so coming to New York, I suppose we thought, oh, another big city, it'll be similar. Like it couldn't be more different. Like, and, and you know, at the start, I think we were a little bit shocked actually, you know, as a family when we were sort of cruising the streets of Manhattan, um, like there's, um, Everyone's just walking across the street. There's people on their horns tooting, pulling the bird. Um, there's there's rubbish everywhere. There's a lot of you know sort of homeless people and um, all sorts of walks of life. Really diverse, you know, in the city. Bit stinky in some places. And so we were like shocked. But what I've what I've kind of learnt about um, the city is that you actually fall in love with it. You start to fall in love with kind of how raw and rustic and um, um, how that that sense of that diversity is actually really cool. There'll be a dude 
skateboarding down the middle of the road with a shirt off, you know, or, um, you know, people walking around with speakers singing and everyone's clapping. It's, 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 or you jump on a train and there's um, people playing guitars. Like, it's it's actually really cool kind of way to live. And so, so from at the start, having a bit of a shock, we, we actually really love that part of um, the culture in, in New York. Yeah, it's almost 2 million people just on the island. So the chances of ever seeing the same person again is pretty slim. That's probably why they talk like that and act like that to each other. It's like, I'm never going to see this person again. So I'll just flick the bird and hold my horn and off I go. So it is a, it is a cool city. Let's let's talk footy last year. What were your expectations? Obviously, MLR had, had a couple of full seasons. We had the COVID season and you came over 2021. What were your expectations coming into the league for your first season? I really didn't know what to expect. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I, maybe I thought it would be sort of somewhere between kind of a, a club level and like a like an NPC, you know, domestic competition back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually really surprised. I think um, the the standard of play was, was a lot higher than what I thought. The, the athletes are, um, are really good. You know, there's a good mix of international and American players as well. Um, so you get a really nice balance. The, the coaching is, is is pretty decent too across across all the sides. So the 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 games were, you know, probably probably more physical than what I'd been playing in Japan. Um, and you know the skill sets were, were were pretty good. I think probably the thing that um, shocked me the most was um, like the fields playing a lot of astro um, turfs. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And even the lines, you know, a lot of it would be a, like a fo- uh, soccer field or American football field. And so that was kind of strange running out in a professional competition, kind of having these lines in weird places that I'd, n- I'd never experienced before. So that was probably, probably one of the shocks for me um, on, on playing it. But yeah, like I say, um, really, really good standard rugby, um, good athletes, good coaching. And, um, you know, I think you've, even from last year to this year, you can see with the recruitment and the, in, in round one, there's one and two. There's just pretty good footy being played. Where where'd you play? Where was your home ground for the Saders? Were you at Lancaster or were, what was the stadium back then? Oh, I, was, I was at both. Yeah, so half half my career was at half Lancaster. Half half. The earthquake <laughs> destroyed the earthquake. Lancaster, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah earthquake hit and we, um, then we played at the oh, – yeah, I'm not too sure what it's called now, but the sort of temporary temporary stadium, yeah. So what gave you bigger goosebumps, a packed house for the Saders or Cochrane Field running out into Cochrane for the first time? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, look, it was um, still a packed house. At, uh, just. Back home. Yeah, just. only just. But, but um, I'm not going to lie, I, I know that great things will happen in this country with rugby too, and I'm going to look back and be really proud that I, I'll, I can say I was part of some of those, those foundations as well, which is... Also, just a few little goosebumps. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are sometimes a little overly critical. The challenges in New York for space are just unheard of elsewhere in the country. Like, ridiculous. LA's probably got an argument as well. But in terms of, like, access to stadiums and the weather in New York means everything's astroturf. So there's no grass fields, really. Uh, and there's just so many people. So much money that there's no room to put a field like that's valuable real estate. You can put homes and businesses stuff there. So the challenges are real, but yeah, I think eventually a home will be found and it'll be a good one. Yeah, and like 
Again, we were, we're really fortunate with um, our management and staff. Our CEO, um, you know, Rick's doing an amazing job with, um, with, with, you know, we've got a great facility now and we can walk to a to an Astro field, you know, and it's it's only 10 minutes away from where we will live, you know, so that's that's amazing. And then our, 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 our home ground, ground field, it's I can see the lights on. It's it's three blocks away from, from our apartment, you know, and it's, it's Hoboken High School, which, you know, the, the backdrop of the city is just behind it and it's, 1500 2000 seat stadium so should have a really cool kind of tribal feel to the to it and and, and having the new york people behind us will be a be a really really cool thing i think and, and a city that is is really difficult to find space well let's talk a little bit about this year first round bye which i think is the first time in history i've ever heard a rugby season starting with a bye but uh, <laughs> here we are you go down to houston houston upset the champs la week one did you guys watch that Houston LA game, and what were your thoughts on that before we we jump into your game? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, we yeah, we watched it. Um, you know, a bit of a change of the guards, isn't it? At, at um, Houston, um, got some great coaching in, got some great great players in. Um, you know, and and just physically, I have, almost going to hanging their head on their physicality. You know, um, they're going to carry hard. They're going to. Um, they're going to smack you in the tackle. They're going to maul you pretty hard. Set piece is going to be great, high standard. Um, they're going to try and suffocate you. So I think probably that's maybe LA bought, got caught in a trap there a little bit, got bought into that niggle. You know, there's a lot of niggle there as well. Um, and and then it's sort of the game's got to wind them a little bit. Um, but but also Houston played a very good style of rugby uh, against LA and, and suffocated them and and. You know, took it off them. So that's what we were kind of expecting when we, when we were going to come up against them. Yeah, South Africans forwards with a little niggle. Never heard of that before. Geez, that's 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 unique to their game and their style of play. You've, <laughs> you've run into that a bit, I'm sure, as well at, at the highest level. Well, let's go down that. It, it was a tight game and, and really came down to the last you know, 60 seconds. Uh, Eddie Fidel out in the wing gets the ball one-on-one with Mr. Too Hot to Handle and looked like Fidel was too hot to handle because he couldn't get a hold of him. Scores a long-range try. You don't want too many of those, but first hit out for the year. What was your your feel for the boys this year? Because there is some new blood coming in. Yeah, um, no, I was I, I really really happy with that performance. We 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 hadn't even had a preseason game hit out as as that team either. You know, there were some guys that hadn't played, and and well, I was one of them for for a long time. You know, so for us to be able to. Um, put in a performance like that I was really happy with physically I thought our forwards in particular were huge stopped their really strong mobile game um, when they came around the corner we were there to meet them um, huge part of it and then with our attack I just think we we, um, we we backed ourselves we played and played and played and you know it's one of those ones I reckon a little bit like fortune favours the brave um, it eventually came around I think the stats were something like we we passed the ball 170 or 180 times, and I think they passed the ball 60 or 70 times. Yeah. So, so we're, we're there to play. We're, we're, we we want to entertain. It's the kind of game we want to play. Um, and and I think ultimately that, that, that paid off for, for us in the end. And now this week, another big game. What are you what are you expecting coming into this one? Um, a little bit of the same. They'll be very physical and direct. Um, it's a pretty smart team too, you know. I know Stevie Brett, the coach, pretty well. He'll he'll have a good plan, yeah. I've got no doubt. Um, 
and yeah, they've, they've got off to a really good start too. So they'll have good belief in their camp, and uh, yeah, it's a home game for them. There's 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 an underlying kind of rivalry there that's built up, which is really cool. I think you know. Um, yep. With with them pipping us, um, you know, last year in, in the in, in the um, conference final. So now there's there's a lot on it, and um, our group are excited, but we've just got to prepare well. You know, it's early in the week, so we've got to prepare well and um, give ourselves the best chance. Well, you you mentioned. Stevie Brett, and you mentioned that we've talked a little bit about Saders, but post career, any chance you bring back the Sea City Brothers? I mean, <laughs> some of that stuff was top of the pops, like number one on the iTunes chart, all that stuff. Spotify now, I guess, is a big one, but <laughs> is that here we're going to pull up a little bit of footage? Look at, look at, he's great. Look, oh, you've put up look, footage too. Look, look at oh. all the hair. <laughs> oh. oh, look at that! Yeah, good. Nothing like a cheap shot. Yeah, well played. Um, That's good. My favourite parts where you're just all suited and booted, standing in the middle of the field, and you're just dancing by yourself, and the other guys are kind of just watching you. I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, it's don't worry. That um, those clips still get bought up today. Um, in the Maserati, look at that. The Maserati. Where'd you find a Maserati in New Zealand? Look at the fans. Look at all the girl fans too. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, we're thinking there about doing something. In fact, we're actually thinking about doing something um, similar in New York. Um, Dylan Fawcett, the butcher, he's hounding me a fair bit about being uh, um, the lead vocal. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure what he's – he's got a few different names for the group, but, um, yeah, you might want to have a chat to him about what he's well, thinking. Well, let's hear him. Maybe, maybe we can put it out to the MLR public and we'll, we'll put a poll up for – Best group name, and then we'll have the members in. Obviously, yourself, you know, center stage. The butcher yeah. will get in there. Any the other boys fancy themselves with the tonsils? Um, well, we've got, we've got a new guy, Jace, Jason Emery. Um, Emery, yeah. By that, um, mate, all he does is sing. Wherever we he's go, he's singing. Yes, uh, just a voice of an angel. So oh. I think he'd probably make his way in there. Um, Charlie Hewitt, um, a big lock. Um, he plays the banjo, so I mean, I suppose there's a, there's a place for him. In the, yeah. The uh, who else have we got there? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, maybe like a maybe like a Troy Lockyer, someone like that, for to harmonise. Um, yeah, yeah good, I don't know. Yeah, good looking. Yeah. But, I mean, these are all he, things I have to, these are all things I have to run past Butcher though, because I mean, he's he's already made it pretty clear that he wants to kind of run the show. Butch is the Timberlake of the group, is he? He's he's like in sync. Butch is Timberlake. He's he runs the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he'll probably go off solo. This would just be a way to boost his solo yeah. career. But uh, we're happy to support him with that. Typical, so typical. Oh well. Well, hopefully they come back. You have to keep me in the loop. Uh, get me in. I would. I'd love to be involved in the music video shooting it somehow. A little creative stuff. I think we can do a little better than the uh, the suits in the field, but. We'll see. We'll see. You've still got a lot of footy left in you to go, Andy. Good luck this weekend against ATL. A pleasure as always having you on the show, mate. And uh, hopefully not. Look at Izzy Dag. Is that pre or post hair plugs? <laughs> uh, thanks, Dan. It's always a pleasure chatting, mate. Anytime, bud. All right. Beautiful. Thanks, Andy. We'll catch you next time. See you, mate. See you, guys. There you go. The Sea City Brothers. Did you know he was in a boy band, Pete? Was that something? No, that, but he uh... looks like he was in a boy band. To be fair, he has the hair of someone that was in a boy band. Had the, had the hair. Had the hair. Fair enough. Had the hair.
Yeah, apologies to Israel Dag, a little shot there on the hair plugs. I'm not too far off that myself, so I better be careful uh, on the hair jokes. But, no, great to see him back at New York. And and like I said, Pete, during the, the interview, like what, one of the true great ambassadors of the game in, in terms of like almost akin to the old soul surfer, right, the, the guy or the girl who just chases the waves. Like he's just chasing the experience, right. enjoying it with his family and, and, and like you said, about to hang up the boots, but he's like, if something intriguing came along, I'll do it. And then yeah. Rick Salizo almost, the ESP, picks up the phone and next thing you know, the Ellis family is in, in New York. So and, cool and story. Like, yeah. And, and I think that, like, rugby's a, a door opener for every player, right? Like, like, we all have experiences. I mean, I was, you know, when we talked to Ryan Patterson last week, you know, we, um, we, we chat a little, about, a little bit. If you're a rugby player and you turn up at a rugby club anywhere in the world, the first thing they'll say is, do you have somewhere to stay? And then the second thing they'll say is, do you want a game this weekend? And, and rugby opens those doors. And so it's great. To, I mean, exactly like, where's, how, you know, if it wasn't for rugby, Andy Ellis wouldn't be living with his family in New York. And I think that's amazing. And I think what's really cool is I think um, Andy's going to have a, a lasting impact both with Rugby United New York, but also, I think, within the U.S. game. When you talk to anyone who's interacted with him at, at, at New York, they'll just talk about what an impact he has had on the culture of that team and how you know, his, his professionalism and the way he prepares and the way he thinks about the game is sort of, it, it's, it, it infects that, that whole team. I mean, we saw it last year, Dan, when, when he got injured. It, they're, they're just mm. not the same side, right? Yeah, and so, I agree. you know, he is the heartbeat of, of, of that team. So hopefully there's a, there's a lasting legacy for him um, in New York. Well, the highlight for me with him last year was that game with Mike Lash, the interaction between Mike, who again was probably oh, yeah, young yeah, in New yeah. Zealand, yeah. watching Andy Ellis. Now he's like, dude, I'm refereeing Andy Ellis. And, and the, the back and forward between those two. And uh, well, hopefully Lashy and Andy get a game coming up soon and we can kind of have part two. I have a, uh, yeah, you know, as a scrum half myself, I've all, I always felt like I was the best referee on the pitch. So I, would, I was just helping the referee referee the game effectively. That's your role. Yeah. And just so, you know, for, for the people that, and, and, you know, new fans to MLR, the scrum half stands next to the referee more than anyone else because he gets to stand next to the referee at the scrum, next to re the referee at a penalty, often next to the referee in the line out. So you get a chance as a scrum half if you're, you know, if you're smart to build a relationship with that referee to get some of that banter going. Because when, when it happens and you, you know, you, you try and help the referee a little bit, you hope that the relationship you have with him might influence him. I don't know if it ever did, but that was always what I tried to do. Just trying to help them make the right call. That's you're not right. telling them what to do, you're just it, helping like, them make the right call. For whichever team. I mean, I, mean yeah. I would only tell them about the calls that I thought for my team, but I didn't tell him about the calls for their team, so I feel like that was fair. There's two number nines, and that's right. All right. You just mentioned the scrum, the scrum half. There's the name, the, the, the guy who's about half the height of the scrum. Is that how he got the name, scrum half? So, um, no. well, I, I mean, how, how deep do you want to dive into the, uh, into the nomenclature of, of rugby? Right? Well, so there are is... halfbacks, there are forwards, and then there are halfbacks, and that's the scrum half and the fly half. Dan, stop looking at your phone. There's my, 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 my watch. Um, your watch, sorry. Yeah, my, my wife just texted me she ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's my fault because I took her car today as well. I brought it back on empty. I'm sorry. Oh this God. is a public apology. I'm sorry. Pivot, pivot back to the scrum. Professor's yeah. breakdown. So, so very quickly, there are forwards, there are halfbacks with a scrum, half fly half. There are um, three quarters back. They, people call these three quarters, which will be the centers and wings. And then there's the fullbacks. And, and so it's as far back as you are from the forwards. And so the scrum half is the half that is nearer the scrum. All right. What there about the running back? Can we, Just can we edit that out, Stats Boy? I feel like that, that may have been too esoteric for that was. I mean, that was, that was a nice explanation. But uh, let's, let's get into why is there a scrum? Oh, uh, see, Dan, Stats Boy gets annoyed when we don't follow. I literally was down. pushing you in that direction, and you just weren't listening. You kept rambling. <laughs> so, listening. to be fair, it wasn't. It wasn't. This um, is actually going to be a series because next week we're going to do what is a scrum. Ah, that's good to know. That's good to know. So, so a scrum is the restart when um, a team inadvertently makes a mistake. Right. So um, an example is the ball cannot go forward from the attacking team. They cannot play the ball forward. And so if the attacking team accidentally plays the ball forward, which is means they try to catch the ball, but they don't catch it and they knock it forward, then that's a scrum. If there is a tackle and the ball does not come out. Right. Of that of that tackle situation through a ruck. That, that is also an inadvertent mistake, and therefore the attacking team gets the ball. So it's a way of creating a restart that has a contest because it's an inadvertent mistake. It's not a deliberate mistake. If there's a deliberate mistake, then it would be a penalty. So if the team deliberately knocked the ball on, like they just kind of slapped the ball down, then that would be a penalty. So the scrum is for an inadvertent mistake, and it's often the way if something like, but neither team is able to do something well, the referee will be like, all right, let's call a scrum because then it's a contest. Both, team can win, both teams can win the ball at the scrum, but they can't, um, you know, you can't win the ball on a penalty that's given to one of the sides. So it's an inadvertent mistake by one of the teams, and that's why you have a scrum. Can is that you describe the scrum using pop culture references for me? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's not do that. All right, let's jump into the games this weekend because we've got a big, a smorgasbord. That's a word that doesn't get used as much as it used to, smorgasbord, I feel like. They've got, when they got rid of Sizzler, they, they really got rid of that. Anyway. I can't believe how big Sizzler was in Australia because it was yeah, definitely like going it's, it's to. trending like, down, though, unfortunately. It's definitely like going to. That was a nice dinner when I was about six years old. Because yeah. you know, it was the 90s well, and fair. we were four. So, you know, go to be fair, when you traveled with a rugby team in the States, Sizzler was a great stop. All you could eat, right? They could get steaks and like... That's when they went out of business. <laughs> like everything would just be cleared out by the time you finished. Yeah, there's a graph that says the popularity of rugby trending up, Sizzler, all you can eat trending down as they started eating more and more of those places. All right, let's get into the games this weekend. 18th of February, we kick off. What is that? That's Friday night, isn't it? Two weeks of Friday night footy. You guys are so lucky. This one's going to be a good one. It is the Free Jacks on the road to D.C., this one is on the Rugby Network. It's 8 p.m. Friday night, Eastern. So that'll be seven for me, six for you, Pete. God, that's like 
right in dinner time. There you go. That's perfect. Oh, it'll be on on the it'll be on on the TV. Um, the problem is Friday night is movie night, so I think maybe me and Elliot will be watching rugby upstairs while Yvonne and Penelope watch a Disney movie downstairs. Yeah, Encanto is that it? Encanto, Encanto. Yeah, yeah, Encanto. It's pretty good. It's worth worth a watch. I'm thirty minutes into it. I'm going to finish it. Just not on Friday night during this game. Who you got here? Um, oh, New England. I, DC have not impressed. Um, young team, like lots of lots of new talent, but um, it, it is their home opener, so so you do get a little bit of a boost. But I think New, new England mm. have looked pretty good. Yeah, new England you. looked really sharp. I've been yeah. I've been pretty impressed. Do you know what's impressed me more with New England is their defensive. They've got a little bit of steel in their defense, a little bit of reserve. So um, I'm interested to see if it continues. DC need to turn themselves around pretty quickly here. They've uh, had two pretty bad losses in the opening two weeks. But like you yeah. said, young side and hopefully building towards something. So I'm just looking over at the run sheet to see what's next. All right, moving on. Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network. It's an Eastern Championship rematch as New York takes on Rugby ATL at Silverback Park in Atlanta. Do I have to go first or do you want to go first? Um, you know, it was a, a, a tight game, New York-Houston. I mean, that was, that was a tough game. I'm going to go with Atlanta on this. They're at home. Um, I think that the Northeast teams probably are still suffering, New York in particular, in terms of, like, training. It's hard, hard to find good training. You know that, Dan, facilities in New York. So I'm going to go with Atlanta, but I think it's a close one. Mm, yeah, Atlanta's actually impressed me quite a bit. Um, they've done a lot better than what I thought they were going to do to start. I think, I think New York. I think the wheels start coming off in ATL here. Um, no, hold it, hold it. You go with... Atlanta have really impressed me so far. I, I honestly, really with all well, the turmoil so in the offseason, Pete, I didn't anticipate them to be doing as well as they are, considering, you know, what had happened and transpired in the last two to right. three months there. That, that's what I'm referring to. In terms of the talent on their roster, absolutely. They should be up there. But uh, all right, I'm going to quickly segue into the next one to get myself out of trouble here. 4 p.m. also on Saturday on the Rugby Network, Toronto at New Orleans. Both 0-2. Big game on the East Coast here. Look, this is is for, I mean, this is going to be a tough tough loss for whoever loses. These are two quality teams, right? um, You know, Toronto have played well in pieces. I think they're still lacking a little bit because they're not as, like, they're not as physical a team as they need to be. Um, you know, Nola haven't looked great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Nola gets it because of the home field advantage, but I think it's going to be a close one. But whoever ends up 0-3 has a long pathway to come back. Although, oh, to be yeah. fair, Toronto's in this, like, crazy, like, you know, even though last week was a home game, right? Their deal is early on in the season, if they can get to 500 before they start their stretch of home games, They'll be okay. And so being 0-3 doesn't kill them. But for Nola, like, they're going to be losing too many home games if they lose this one. So I think Nola's going to be a little bit more desperate. Yep. Oh, Sammy Malcolm plays. I go Toronto on this one. If he doesn't play, I go New Orleans. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good way to hedge. Hedging my bets. I just I thought Toronto's attack against uh, – they had that game against LA. Um, LA played exceptionally well in the second half. So – Thought Toronto lost that, just lacking a little creativity, a little bit of impetus in, in, in attack there. So, all right, 
Saturday, Saturday night. It's all Texas showdown at the, uh, what is it? The OKA Corral, Okie Dokie, Hokey Pokey Corral or something. Chalk Stadium. I, yeah, I know the name of the stadium. I'm trying to have a Texas Cowboy kind of reference here. Houston at Dallas. Is this this is christening the stadium too? This is their first yeah. home game, Dallas. This would be cool. Be interesting to see the crowd they get out because obviously Dallas fans know that their football team does nothing in the months of January and February, so they'll be all excited to see some contact sports. Um, this one, I'll go, I'll go first on this. One. Listen, Houston, Houston to bounce back. I thought they were great against LA. Geez, they looked flat against New York in the second half. Um, New York looked like a team that hadn't played a game yet this year and, and got the, the bickies late with that uh, Edfordo try down the sideline. But I will go Sabercats to bounce back against Dallas, who played a lot better than I thought they were going to play against San Diego on the weekend. So Dallas yeah, I, will do well at home, but Houston get the win. Look, I thought, I mean, that may, might be the most surprising performance of the season, and that includes Houston's, Houston beating LA um, last week. You're right because- there. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. My 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 chamomile tea just kind of came up a little bit, but I'm okay. Sorry, um, bedtime. The yeah, the you know, but that Dallas performance against San Diego, I mean, that was a really really good performance. Like it was just it it was a um, a bounce back from the AGs game, and so it's going to be a team that's going to come in with a bit of um, uh, confidence. Still don't have a coach, right? Um, so that's tough, but, uh, and so look, I think Houston takes this because I think Houston's more physical. I think they've, I think they've got more grit to them, but I think Dallas showed that they can play and they can make a game of this, um, and, and, you know, can be competitive throughout the season if they stay healthy. Yeah. Kicking off at the same time, Pete, just down the road at Austin, Utah, on the road to Austin, two sides who were racing to the Western Conference finals last year, Utah get it done, and uh, you'd have to think Austin will be wanting to exact a little revenge here at home against a wounded Warriors side that's 0-2. Yeah, I mean, this is a – I mean, I, I actually don't think this is a tough pick because I think the, the pick is Austin. Austin look like they've got an attack. They look like they can score points to go along with their good defense. But this is another team, a little bit like, you know, NOLA on Toronto – Utah could be 0-3, and, and in that Western Conference, it's a little bit different than in the East. In the East, I think there are some, you know, maybe some, you know, a few more easy games for a team that wants to come back. But in that Western Conference, there's a lot of good games. I think Utah have a problem at scrum half, I mean, at fly half. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Laos is a really good back, but he's more like a utility back. He's got a good foot. I don't think he manages that game. So they've, they've got a challenge at fly half, and I think that's causing them. But their depth will make it close. If they can be within touching distance of Austin with 20 minutes to go, they've got amazing depth, and that's what allows yeah. them to finish strong. So, so their deal for, for Utah is keep it close, right? Even if Austin's up by 10 with 20 minutes to go, we know that our bench will be stronger. They've got real depth in the front row. Some of Austin's forwards are a little bit older, right? And, and so, you know, be, I think that second half will be interesting, but I think Austin might have... Like, they might be up by 20 points if they're playing the way they are with, with 20 to go, and that's too much for Utah to come back on. Yeah, Austin looked really good. Couldn't score points last year, and they're just scoring them in bucket loads this year. Yeah. Lockie McCaffrey on his way as well. I'm not sure if he'll play this weekend, but he's getting close to getting boots on the ground in Austin. So crazy to think. When he showed up last year, they were a totally different side, and, and 
now they're running hot. Add Lockie McCaffrey into that team. Yeah. Yeah, they are genuine title contenders. Lone game Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m. kickoff. It's Seattle at San Diego. It's a 2019 championship rematch on the Rugby Network. Oh, I, listen, I, I walked away pretty unimpressed with San Diego on the weekend playing at home against Dallas. Maybe Dallas were better than I gave them credit for. Um, but I'm going to go for the traveling team here. I mean, Seattle, with the exception of that final, have not done well in San Diego against San Diego. In fact, I don't think they've beaten them down the outside of that game in the championship. So history is not their friend, but I will say that Seattle will get the win here on the road against the Legion. Go 3-0, Seattle. Yeah, this will be really interesting. And part of this for me is, you know, the ability for Seattle to shut down a team that has so many good playmakers in San Diego in the bat line. And so um, I actually think San Diego can score points against Seattle. What I'm not sure about is whether Seattle can score points against San Diego. Like, I don't think San Diego is going to score 40, but I think they can score 25, 30. And mm-hmm. I don't know that Seattle has that firepower. So I'm going to go against you, Dan. I'm going to go for San Diego at home in, in this. But I think it's a really, really tasty game to finish the weekend. Not the most interesting match of the weekend, but here's one for, for folks, old and new rugby fans. Lepetti versus Nonu. Yep. It's going to be an incredible, like uh, Lepetti's rise has been meteoric to say the least. Uh, I think this is going to be probably the biggest test mo- mentally and physically for him against, you know, in what is an aging Ma Nonu, but still a legend of the game and a figure and a chance for him. To it was, it was place kicking. He was place kicking for San Diego for the first time. Like, I'm like, man, like, what else does Monono want to do? Apparently, <laughs> first place kick ever in his professional career. No, yeah, he has. He's once, once in a, um, in a like, uh, a friendly like game for the All Blacks. Like, not not an international, but played for the All Blacks in, in, a, the in an All Blacks fifteen type thing. Yeah, wow. I think so. One, wow. So, so twice ever. That's... Twice ever. Right. Wow. Did he? Did he make it? No. 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 Was it bad? Yeah, it wasn't that good. All right, can we, can we add the kick in right here, Gintz? Just put the kick in at this part right here where he missed it. Just kidding. <laughs> the last guy I want to offend is him. So most interesting match peak this weekend is going to be, and I'm not surprised here, it's the rematch from the Eastern Conference Championship last year, New York and Atlanta down there in Atlanta. Give me your thoughts on this one. So, you know, I think this is a really, really good game. I think that the uh, – um, the New York team, you know, Sam Windsor, uh, you know, so Connor Buckley started last weekend, but I'm pretty certain that Andy Ellis is going to be starting this weekend, mm-hmm. and that'll make a big difference. We talked about how, how different that is. I think Troy Lockyer at, at 15 is really good for, for New York, and they've just got, like, a really, really good pack, right? And, and I think that that's going to have to be the key I think the key for New York is going to have to be to have the edge in the scrum and the line out, right? So with Nate Brakely and, um, you know, Dylan Fawcett throwing in and Charlie Hewitt, they need to have a a, a really strong edge in the set piece. Um, What we know about Atlanta is Atlanta need to stay away from penalties, Mm -hmm. right? And so they need to make sure that, you know, they don't give up that territory because they're such a territory-based team that every time they give up a penalty, they find themselves in their own half, and what they're going to do is they're going to kick. 
And so I think this game is going to be really interesting for, because for New York, they need the edge in the forwards and Atlanta need the edge in the penalty count. Yeah. Homecoming of sorts, not all the way, but his first game against his old club for Will Leonard in the centres for Atlanta too. Yeah, Usually and Charles pretty big going up against ATL on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. It is interesting. Well, I, mean, eh? I mean, so part of that, like, is when that happens, you've got to think about things like line-out calls and pattern calls, right? Because yeah. when someone from the other team is there, they know your calls. And so you've got to go to your secondary or even tertiary calls. I mean, in, 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 you know, at the professional level, what they'll have is they'll have one of the analysts listening to the referee mic, trying to hear the calls of the opposition hooker in the lineout or whoever's making those calls and then charting them to see if they can break their code. And so what many teams will have is they'll have two different lineout call sequences one for the first half and one for the second half. But here you are when, when you've got a forward, so it's different with Will Leonard who's a back, but when Chance Wanglewski is going to be like, yeah, here's their lineups, right? How and about so, you, Bill Belichick, listening in, stealing calls? <laughs> I'm just well, picturing you look, deflating the, the, you know, the, the red roses, English women's rugby team footballs in there with your little thing deflating Yeah, yeah, ball. no, I mean, I mean but, but you can hear the line-out calls on the referee mic if all you're listening to is the referee mic. So, yeah. so you can hear that and you can hear their line-out calls and you, can, and you can break it down. And so, like, it'll be interesting to see, you know, watch Chance Wengluski's number one, watch what he's chat if he's chatting, right, at the line-out. If he's, like, if the call happens from Atlanta and Chance Wengluski is, is making, like, is talking to New York and the New York forwards are moving around, then, then you know, he's, he's like, hey, I think I've broken their code and I know where the ball's going. This will be my last American football reference for a couple of weeks, but stealing calls. The great story of Mike Leach, where he had a fake script and he left it on the sideline against Texas, and it was all their offensive plays, like their first five tries, and it was all wrong. And the Texas defense come out, and they were just in shambles, and he ran right through them. It was like they're like, hang on, this isn't the call. They're going to play so, this. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So Mike I, Leach, I what a character. You, I, I had that experience. Um, coaching the U.S. the U.S. women against Canada um, up at the uh, the Nations Cup or I'm not or the Super um, the Super Cup or whatever it was called up yeah. in Canada and we were shared we were in the same dorm um, at, at a university with the Canadians and we were about to play them and we walked down and their team room is open and on the walls of the team room they have their game plan right and. Yeah. Um, you know, we're like, huh. And we walk in and we're in this mode where we're like, this would never happen by accident. Like the doors no. open. They know that we're sharing. There's like, there's no way this happened by accident. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to ignore it and we're going to go and play our game. And I, I'm pretty certain that, we, that, that that was the year that we played them on Canada Day, July 1st, mm-hmm. and beat them. Um, but but I think they were playing like silly buggers and and leaving their game plan up and and you know trying to get us to like be like aha there's their game plan but we were like uh uh-uh, we're not going to do that take that Canada take that no it's actually happened to me once and this is kind of weird because we played in a uh, semi final game at the opposition's home stadium except we were the number one seed and they were the away team 
they didn't realize that. So the night before the game, they went in and wrote everything up in the home locker room. And we walked in there and there was a frantic, like there was a big debate about, obviously, I don't know what they want to do, postpone the game or something, but they were adamant that we'd stolen everything off the whiteboard. And like, listen, you put everything up there. It wasn't us. But they thought that was their locker room because it was their locker room. But Right, right. All the other games except for this game when they turned. Yeah, you know, they had to use the away locker room. Yeah. When – when that happens, there's a team manager that gets a talking to the next day that's like, look, dude. You messed up. Yeah. This is stuff we need to track. Didn't help them, though. We smashed them. Yeah. <sighs> Easy stuff. All right, Pete. Another good one. Week three coming up. It's exciting. Uh, all the games coming to you on the rugby network. No, no national games this weekend, Stats Boy? Nah. Um, but uh, uh, watch the space. Um, there might be some more FS1 games. Nice. I know they get much better numbers on FS1, so that's great. The more we can get on Fox Sports 1, the better. So Rupert Murdoch, he's a huge fan of the show. Is he still alive, Rupert? I'm not even yes. sure. Lockie Murdoch, his son. Um, apologies Rupert Murdoch is still alive, yes. Yes, Uncle Rupert. He's a massive fan of the show. He loves MLR kickoff, never misses it. Give us as many games as we can get on FS1, please, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, Pete, always a pleasure, never a chore, mate. Have a good weekend. Uh, I'm sure we'll get the text chain fired up on Friday night. Hopefully, movie night doesn't interfere with too much of the rugby watching this Friday and throughout the weekend, buddy. Uh, I'm sure, Dan, just, just so you know, and to give a little bit of insight to for everyone, what will happen is that I'll tell my wife that I'll go up and do the washing up and I'll get my mm. iPad out and I'll sit there and she'll be like, why is the washing up taking so long? Why does yeah. the washing up sound like a rugby game? But, yeah. but to be fair to my son, Elliot, who's almost two, he's, he's always up for watching rugby with daddy. So we'll probably just go upstairs and watch it after that. I'm, I'm a normal, I have a dishwasher, so I don't have that excuse. I have to think of something different. <laughs> All right, for the professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, our entire team, I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff.